Good morning. My name is Spencer Bros. I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's Church, and it is a blessing to worship with you here today, whether you're here in this space or here with us virtually. Um, it is always good to be gathered together as the body of Christ in worship. This uh, Lent, as Pastor Minu mentioned, we are focusing on each Sunday of Lent as a mini celebration of Easter. Every Sunday is intended to be such. And, and during the season of Lent, we often forget that and focus on the self-denial and remembering um, our need for, for the crucifixion on the Sundays, whereas that's supposed to be our focus for the, for the weekdays. And, and that's still true. All of that's still true. And I hope you will um, explore that season of Lent, journey with us during Lent in a, in a daily devotional that helps us to, to think more deeply about those things. But instead on Sundays, we're going to f- uh, focus on that movement from our need for the crucifixion and the resurrection to the power of the resurrection that continues to live in the world and continues to echo through our lives. Last week, we took a look at Mary Magdalene. This week, as uh, Devin introduced, we're going to take a look at Simon Peter and his movement from brokenness to wholeness as found in the resurrection. To do so, we're going to take a look at John's Gospel, chapter 21, beginning at verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend to my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands And someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Have you ever messed up, and in the moment of the messing up, You realized it? Like it's too far beyond your control to change the course of the action, but at the same moment you realized you done messed up. I was going home one one weekend from college. uh, I think it was a a spring break or something like that. And I was running into the student center and it was raining and and I pulled up to, and I found a parking space and that never happens, but I found a parking space, pulled up, closed the door, ran up, but as I was closed, as the door was going shut, I realized the keys were in the ignition and the car was on. 
Now, these days, you can't do that. If you have the push button start on your car, it won't lock on you. But back in the day, this was early 90s, <laughs> that happened. And you're stuck, right? It wasn't horrible. I called AAA. Thankfully, we had AAA. I called AAA. They come and did the, you know, and Jimmy, the door open, and I got home after being wet and upset with myself. But there are times in our, I think we do that, you know, we, we most of the times in my mind, I'm thinking of shutting a door, and as I let go, oh, no, time slows down. And you realize the weight of your actions have hit you. That happens to Peter. Not in this story. We'll talk a little bit about that story. But that happens to Peter. And I think that probably happens to Peter a lot. Peter is pretty brash. He lives out loud. He just, he thinks it and he does it. It's not, there's, I don't think there's a filter much. And Peter, at least as, the, we, as we experience Peter in Scripture, he just, he just has to. <laughs> Whatever it is that comes up, he just does it. As I get older, I realize I feel more like Peter than any of the other disciples, and not because he's some great leader, but because sometimes I just, I'm out there. I act before I think sometimes, or I speak before I process at other times. Peter gets in trouble. He often gets in trouble with Jesus and with the other disciples. We'll take a little bit look, deeper look at that in a moment. Today we are going to explore how the power of the resurrection continues to flow and specifically how it overcomes Peter's actions. Last week as we explored the power of resurrection in Mary Magdalene's life, that same power continues to deliver us from trauma, grief, and anxiety. This week we turn to Simon Peter as he deals with and experiences the guilt and the shame that he feels as a result of denying that he knew who Jesus was on the night of his arrest. Unlike Mary Magdalene, who has very little backstory in the Gospels, Simon Peter has plenty. So we have plenty of story about Peter and his experience of Jesus and his life as a follower of Christ. We first meet him as he's called to become one of Jesus' disciples, and his name then is just simply Simon. And then Jesus says, nope, you're the rock. You're Peter. So we call him oftentimes Simon Peter in our reference to him. On their first ministry and mission tour, Jesus visits Peter's house. Pastor Meany preached on just a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And he cures Peter's sick mother-in-law, who then gets up and serves them right away. Peter becomes one of the many witnesses to the miracles that Jesus performs, including the raising of a little girl back from the dead. As they talked about with the children, as Devin talked about with the children, the walking on the water. They, the, the, Peter and the other disciples see Jesus walking on the water, and Peter's like, me too! And he walks out, and then he looks around and realizes, I should have thought about this a little bit more than perhaps I did, and finds himself sinking in 
once again saved by Jesus. Simon Peter also makes one of the greatest and most profound statements of Jesus' identity. He's the first one to declare Jesus as divine. When he says, you are my Lord and my God, that's the first time that's said in Scripture. But if he had just left it alone, it had been awesome. But then Jesus goes on to tell them what that means, and that means he will suffer and that he will die. And Peter says, nope, nope, that doesn't sound good to me. I don't think that's so. And Jesus rebukes him saying, get behind me, Satan. Jesus is, I mean, Peter's riding high, and then Jesus chops him off at the knees. Because Peter was speaking before he fully understood. Peter witnesses, along with James and John, the transfiguration of Jesus again. He says, nope, we can't go on after this. we got to build those little shelters and so we can sit here and just contemplate all of this and worship and, and just be in the moment. And Jesus is like, no, we got things to go do. Let's go. And then we see Peter at the Last Supper. The washing of the feet, there's a whole story there. But also in the midst of that meal, Jesus predicts that Peter will deny him three times before the rooster crows. And Peter says, no way. That can't be right. I would never deny you. And then we find this story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels. I do find interesting, I do, as an aside here, I find interesting that John doesn't include this story, but he's the one that tells the other story. John's gospel, in many ways, picks up the other things that didn't get told in the first three gospels. It gets written later than those three. So he says, you know, you all missed the foot washing. You all missed the three do you love me's. So he's he focused on the forgiveness aspect of it, knowing that the people who are listening or reading his letter or gospel, rather, are familiar with this story. This is after the uh, um, arrest of Jesus. Simon, Simon, listen. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is during the meal. Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. Then there's the garden and the prayer and the disciples keep falling asleep. Jesus wakes them up. He, Jesus goes off to pray. They fall asleep. He gets up as Jesus is being arrested and cuts off the soldier's ear. He just keeps doing these things that Jesus is correcting him because Jesus says, those who live by the sword die by the sword and heals the man's ear. And puts Peter in his place once again. But then it seems as if Peter shadows the soldiers and Jesus to the courtyard. And he follows them there. We pick up in Luke 22 at verse 54. They, then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. 
Then a servant, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was with him, but he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then about an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, the door is closing locked. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter is carrying all of that with him. When he encounters Jesus after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, after Jesus has entered into a room where the disciples were gathered, the door was locked, and ten of them were up there because Thomas was out wandering around. Jesus appears to them, shows them who he is, that he's alive, shows them the wounds, and then when Peter, Thomas comes back and they do it all over again. But Jesus never addresses Peter individually. Peter's still carrying the weight of that denial with him when he goes off fishing. Have you ever felt like you're stuck, you don't know your way forward, and you don't know what you're doing anymore, so you go back to things you used to do and you're comfortable doing and you're pretty good at? Peter made a living fishing. And they're out there fishing and not catching a thing. I'm not even good at this anymore. Jesus says, cast it over there, and they pull in a haul of fish, and then they realize. Then they realize it's Jesus. And Peter doesn't even wait for the boat to dock. He gets out and swims ashore, and he's dripping wet and meets Jesus at that fire. But I imagine that in his head, he's also at another fire. He's at two fires at one time. He's at that fire in the courtyard where they kept saying, you know him, right? You're one of his, right? You're a Galilean too. Just as he's sitting by that fire as Jesus prepares a meal for them. Carrying all of that guilt, all of that shame. He must have been thinking, this is who I am forever. The one who denied Jesus. And in a certain aspect, he is. We talk about this at least once a year. But he didn't know, he didn't know there was more to who he was. He didn't know that there was more to his story. He didn't know that there was more to his identity as a follower of Jesus because he had not yet experienced for himself the power of the resurrection. He had seen it in Jesus. But Jesus was about to unleash the power of the resurrection into Peter's life as well. And it's almost like it hits him in waves with each question of Jesus. Peter, do you love me more than these? I feel like that first question was like, was Peter's response? Was, of course, is just, of course, absolutely. I'm all in, all the time. I'm here with you, Jesus. And Jesus accepts it and receives it. And he says, tells him to 
Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? That one starts to cut a little bit. It's a little bit deeper. I'm pretty sure he heard me. Of course I do. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Boom. He's at the depth of his brokenness. Jesus has forced him to encounter it. And as he encounters it and is aware of it, and he knows that Jesus knows it. And Jesus still says to him, even after his response, Lord, I do, feed my sheep. He experiences wave after wave of Jesus' grace that moves him from his brokenness to a wholeness that he didn't know even before he had ever met Jesus. Now, I'm not going to say that each one of these thing, three things I'm going to bring up happened with each one of those questions and responses individually, but I, I feel as if each of these three things occurred in that time. Peter's redemption, he was forgiven for that sin and for his sins. Reconciliation. Restoring of the relationship. Renewing of that of Peter's connection with Christ. And then thirdly, restoration of Peter as a whole being. Of spirit and relationship and person. Now he has received this mission. Each time Jesus is, is laying out the mission, feed my sheep, feed my, I mean, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. I always mess it up, but anyway, it's in there. Lambs and sheep, lambs. That's it. And then he lays it out and tells them, Later on, the mission. He's bringing him to fullness. That redemption. Even though Peter responded initially with just, of course, Jesus is extending that forgiveness to Peter. He said, I know what's in there. I know the, the, the you that does not particularly necessarily own that, but wants to live into that is in there. Peter, tell me more. I'm going to ask you again. Do you love me? And as Peter is experiencing these questions and this response, and, and as Jesus is digging deeper, not only is he faced with his sin, but he's also freed from it. Peter's going to give one of the best sermons, if not the best sermon ever later on, if we, as we read about him in Acts. 5,000 people come to Christ. Those numbers keep growing. He feels it to the core of his being. He's been redeemed. He's been forgiven. I don't have to be that guy. I am not the denier. I did deny him, but I'm, that's not my identity. We feel guilt and shame, and it, we... We should, but we shouldn't live with it, and we shouldn't be identified by it. It helps us to know when we've messed up. And as we take a look at it with Jesus, Jesus frees us from it. 
and re-identifies us as children of God, as those made in God's image. Reconciliation. In this exchange between Peter and Jesus, I don't know what the other disciples are doing at that time. Do you, if, if you've read this often, do you think about what are they doing? Are they just watching? Are they sitting around the campfire saying, when are we going to eat these fish? I don't know what's happening. But those two are so intensely focused upon one another. Jesus hasn't given up on Peter, but Peter feels like he doesn't deserve Jesus' love and attention. He wants to, but he doesn't feel it. And in that moment, he's been redeemed, but that, rec that relationship has been restored, reconciled. He now has full back and forth interaction with Jesus. And that's what Paul says the entirety uh, of the ministry is. Not the entirety, but that's a central aspect of the ministry is that we are reconciled to God. And Peter's reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and, and very personally in that moment. And as Peter is redeemed and as he is reconciled, he is restored not just to who he was before the crucifixion, before his denial, even before he met Jesus. He is restored to the fullness of whom God has called and created him to be in a way that he has never known before. And Jesus hands over this ministry to him. And he is the leader even though he's one who puts his foot in his mouth, who sinks in the water, who gets turned, he gets called Satan. And Jesus restores this man to fullness. And it's all through the power of the resurrection that continues to reverberate, to echo, to ripple across time and throughout history and continues to do these things in our lives today. Jesus continues to take what was dead and breathe into it new life. To offer forgiveness of sin. We don't have to be identified by our brokenness. It's not who we are, it's what we've done, perhaps, but it doesn't have to be who we are. And as we accept that forgiveness, we can, we can re-encounter in that relationship that we can return to it and don't have to pretend, don't have to put up whatever false front we might put up and embrace Christ. And then this happens in human relationships too. When we feel like we've done something wrong, even if the other person hasn't changed, we put up our own barriers in the middle of it. But when we embrace who, what we've done and we are able to be forgiven of it and we can be fully reintegrated into those relationships. And with Christ, when Peter did that with Jesus, he is restored in such a way that he's able to do the things that God is, that Jesus, God through Jesus is sending him to do. He would never have been able, he would have gone back to fishing. I don't know if he would have gotten better than he was that day, but he would have just gone back to that. He was certainly set to do so. The power of the resurrection continues to reverberate throughout history and time and continues to affect the world around us, continues to touch the lives of those who follow Jesus, who put our, put our trust in him and in his grace that not only claims us but redeems us, that re reconciles us to God and restores us to whom we are intended to be.
for the kingdom of God, so that we may go on the missions and, and the ministry that God has called us to do, not simply to, to accept our blessing and to just to be happy with it, but to extend it to the world around us, to live into it. And as the power of the resurrection transforms our lives from the inside out, it takes on hold within us and then continues to ripple out, not because of us, but because of Jesus working within us and through us. It continues to reverberate around us. And the good news continues to be shared and told and lived. That God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And all of that that comes afterwards. Peter experienced it in fullness at that campfire, pushing away the other fire in the courtyard. All the guilt, all the shame. And freed him. That's what this gift is. It's freedom. Freedom to live into who God is calling us to be, to the mission that God is sending us to be a part of. May we all embrace that. May we all live it. Amen.